When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Armando Salguero will preview the NFL weekend from the news and notes standpoint. We'll discuss Gruden's resigning in Vegas, Basakia replacing him as the interim head coach, and all the craziness surrounding that. Armando Salguero, again, in 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes from now, here on Outkick 360. Glad you're with us this afternoon. Armando brings energy, by the way. Every week, he brings great energy. Terrific All of energy. energy. That's right. We're live from 6th and Peabody. Plenty of energy here with Yaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us across the network. You can follow us on social media. Search us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Outkick360. We hope you'll like, follow, and subscribe to the podcast channel as well if you miss portions of the show. At least one thing on every NFL game for week six. And the game I'm looking forward to most, Cardinals at Browns. The Cardinals... Uh, news today that th- at least three players are out uh, due to COVID, and that includes Chandler Jones. He has been placed on the COVID list for the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona 5-0 and for the first time since 1974. The Browns are ranked in the top 10 for both offense and defense. The Bills are the only other team who can currently claim the same. And... Here's Cleveland with two losses, a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense, Paul. Cleveland's rushing the pass very nice. I actually saw I, – I, this burns me, you know it, but I saw a very nice analytical clip on Twitter of Jadavian Clowney actually doing some something. very nice things. <laughs> not just something, but some, some very nice things that the analyst was saying he'd not seen him do before, as if he'd learned from Miles Garrett. How to, how to do some moves beyond the, the typical stuff that he'd done, which should make any Tennessee Titans fan furious because he wasn't doing any of this stuff makes, makes me want the Titans to hire Miles Garrett as D.C. whenever he <laughs> retires immediately, that he could get something out of Jadavion Clowney where no one with the Titans could. I love Miles Garrett. I mean, I don't know how you can't love Miles Garrett, but I look forward to watching him, highlights at least of him chasing uh, Kyler Murray. Chargers visit the Ravens. Two four and one divisional leaders matching up in a matchup of two teams that overcame second half deficits of at least fourteen points to win in Week Five. L.A. flying across the country, uh, strong matchup there against Lamar Jackson, who is just on a tear. Details coming up on Lamar. I don't know much about yet about how I don't know that there's much evidence yet of how L.A. travels uh, yet, but that's a curiosity to me. Giants are hosting the Rams, two L.A. teams, uh, both. They share a stadium, and for whatever reason, they're not, one of them's not hosting this weekend. New York is 1-4. They lost Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and Kenny Galladay all to injuries in last week's game. For the Rams on defense, Aaron Donald has a sack in three of his last four games on the road. Leonard Floyd has a sack in three of his last four games just of the season. They get after it. So uh, the long-neck quarterback, Chad. Here we go again. Mikey Glennon. Uh, Mike, Mike Glennon. Mike Glennon is second place only to Davis Mills in terms of length of neck. But uh, <laughs> num- number one in your hearts. 
This is a game where L.A., if you are the big dog, you go up there with an already bad Giants team that's much worse now because of injury. You lay the hammer down Barkley in this game too. if you're the so Rams. You, your quarterback's out and your running back's and Galladay. And Galladay. Yeah, I mentioned all three are out. Yeah. You're, you're, that's your, your quarterback, your playmaker at running back, best overall player, and then your best receiver. Galladay's not been great as it is, right? No, but he's the big free yeah. agent signing. Uh, you feel, the, the Jets feel better about Corey Davis's signing than Galladay with the Giants. Washington hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes leads the NFL with 16 touchdown passes this season, but he's already thrown six interceptions, which matches last, last year's 2020 total. Um, everyone's expecting KC to rebound. We'll see if Washington's capable of springing an upset with their defense not playing all that great. Colts and Texans. Houston on the road. Davis Mills tossed a Texans franchise record four interceptions two weeks ago. Then he followed it up. Uh, against the Patriots last week where he played well. The Colts, by the way, have not allowed a rushing touchdown at all this season. Mills is going to have to spin it well on the road like he did last week against New England. A question for me always is they've not allowed any rushing touchdowns. How many passing touchdowns have they allowed? Because it doesn't matter if you're not allowing any rushing touchdowns if they're throwing it in the end zone. Well, what they've done, you can, you can run it on Indy. You just can't run it in the end zone on Indy, yeah. which is very strange. Lions. T.Y. And- Hilton back in that game could give oh, them is he some back? juice. Yeah, Lions well, and Bengals. Well, he's off off the off the uh, IR and eligible to return. It sounds like he will be back. Bengals on the road in Detroit. The the last time the Lions started 0 and six was 2008. That's the same season they went 0 and 16. Uh, Cincinnati rookie Jamar Chase averaging 20 yards per reception from Joe Burrow. I think win or loss, Dan Campbell probably cries. Maybe so, although I appreciate the raw emotion last week. I know a lot of people don't, uh, but in a, in a game where you don't get honesty at the podium, uh, at least this guy is coaching a bad team and the pl- guys are playing for him. That's, that, that, is a, that is a locker room that has been very close to winning three games. Yeah, I like it too, but there comes a time. I'm always interested to see how something very different like Dan Campbell will work out. Because if you get the right player... That responds to that. I mean, I watch and I think, ooh, a little too emotional uh, for, for a head coach that needs to be a, a CEO and, and run the team after a loss. But if you get the right type of player that plays and feeds off that type of emotion, I, I think it can work. There was another crying incident in college football where Scott Frost was crying walking off the field when they lost to Michigan. And he was tearing up in the, in the postgame press conference. And, of course, Nebraska fans love that. And that's him saying, you know, this team is clearly a lot better, but just cannot, there's something bad happens at the end of every game where we're not winning these games, and it's starting to weigh on him. You're right, Hutton. I mean, they've been so close for the Lions in three of those games. I get it. I mean, if you're a diehard fan of anything, you feel that way when it's that frustrating, when you lose in that frustrating a fashion and you're right there, that kills you when it happens time and time again. So I understand the emotion. I, I, I'm reserving, though, whether or not I really like it or not because it's very different from an NFL perspective. Oh, for we'll, sure. We'll see if it works. For sure. Michigan's been crying about the Lions for a long time, so he's one of them. Yep. But now you got to move along. Another uh, winless team, Jacksonville. They are in London to take on the Dolphins at Hotspur Stadium. The, the Jags are London's team playing in their eighth London game. Miami, also a world traveler. The Dolphins will play their 10th international game this weekend. 
the only two NFL teams that have played more international games, Buffalo and San Francisco. So both Miami and Jacksonville, they're free to travel. They're, they're all for getting the, uh, the Sky Miles going I, I love it when we can take an in-state NFL rivalry, <laughs> and I'm putting air quotes up for those listening, rivalry that no one cares about and throw that game in London uh, every so often and make that the London game. I just laugh at that matchup. You've got Jacksonville and Miami, the battle of the state of Florida taking place in what, Hotspur Stadium? Yep. In London? Whatever. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not getting up extra early to watch that one. Jags have a chance in that game. NFC North, uh, you may see that later in the upset picks. Uh, NFC North, Packers at Bears. Devontae Adams has at least 100 receiving yards in three of his last four games. Khalil Mack has played seven career games against Green Bay. He has five and a half sacks, two forced fumbles, and an interception return for a touchdown. So if you're looking for a reason to randomly pull the upset and, and take, the, take the Bears in this at FanDuel... Khalil Mack needs to be the MVP of the game. Green He's Bay's, been that in the past. Uh, Green Bay pass protection was the big issue for them coming in. When you watch those, the, the preseason combined with the first couple of weeks of Bears football and Matt Nagy un, under duress as the head coach, I dare ask this question, but have the Bears found a formula no. with what they need to do to win at 3-2? and two? Have they devised a game plan offensively for Justin Fields that can be not overly successful, but successful enough to pair with that defense. I mean, this is going to be the, the tell. What happens this game? If they For go sure. and beat Green Bay at home, yeah. I think they found a formula that they, they could win and possibly be a playoff team. I, I'm having a hard time buying it. I'm having a hard time even believing that I'm asking the question right now based on the first couple of weeks, but the question needs to be asked. I don't buy them at all. Carolina head coach Matt Rule says that Christian McCaffrey is 50-50 to play on Sunday as the Panthers time. host the Vikings, uh, he averaged 121 yards from scrimmage in the three games where he actually played. Uh, the Vikings, they are 2-3 and three overall. They've missed field goals as time expired on two of their three losses. They feel a lot like Detroit. They should be crying. They're worse than Detroit because they're actually in the, in the mix of the division if they hit the field goals. Um, they've lost two of three as time expired. Raiders and Broncos... Denver among the best in the league in time of possession. Teddy Bridgewater is the reason why. He does not turn the football over, and they have long sustained drives because of it. Art Shell was the last interim head coach to win in his debut with the Raiders. Rich Basakia. Is it Basakia? Basakia. Basakia. That's not how Mike Mayock said it last night. That's why I asked. How does he Mike Mayock needs to know the, the, the pronunciation of his guys' names then. Mike Mayock said Bisakia was the greatest leader he's ever been around. And I thought, why stand up there and lie? Also, well, why stand why, up there and I, say that about a guy you don't know how to pronounce his name? And why put that much pressure on the <laughs> why, guy? But he's and, the greatest and, leader and I've ever known. You said that about Gruden the week before. I'm thinking, as long as you've been around football and you just have a random interim coach all of a sudden, and you're going to now proclaim this? Yeah, I don't a, know. It's a foolish approach. Uh, Patriots and Cowboys. Interesting game. Three of the top five rated games of the season – on TV have involved the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the offense converts a first down. Get this. They convert a first down or they score on 79% of their downs. That, that's, uh, I mean, that's got to be a world record. Uh, that's incredible. W what a stat. Almost 80%. 
are resulting in a first down or a touchdown. Now, consider their third down conversion rate irrelevant. Matthew Judon, tied for second in the NFL. Six and a half sacks. He aims for his fifth game in a row with a sack. We're what's, not hearing much about the other uh, high-priced free agents yeah, what's Bud that they signed. No, but uh, New England's getting their money's worth out of Matthew Judon. Johnny Smith, we're not hearing about. Hunter Henry, uh, we're not hearing about. We'll get this in the Tennessee Power Hour, but I'd, I'd gladly take 50% for the Titans on free agent signings no right doubt. now. No doubt. Uh, we will preview Titans and Bills on Monday night later in today's Jadon show. Jadon was terrific signing. Sunday night football, Seahawks at Steelers. Both teams are 2-3. and three. Geno Smith makes his first start since 2017. Steelers rookie Najee Harris, over 500 yards from scrimmage, and that includes a league-high 28 receptions among all running backs going to say he must be doing it in the passing game because we're not hearing anything about their running game um, he's doing it on third down um and mcnichols is actually leading him on third down snaps <laughs> if you can believe that <laughs> i can believe it after the statue threw out there and hey what a novel concept a, a, a running back who's your best player on offense who can stay on the field on third down i'm on also. the steelers there seahawks are going the wrong direction with the wrong quarterback steelers have a bye after this game Najee harris was my preseason pick for uh, rookie of the year uh, at FanDuel, and he's I'm, not doing great. I'm 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 okay with it right now, though, because he has 500 of, scrimmage yards of how much they're involving him running and in the in through the air. As a bad offensive line, um, so you got to got to get him out in space. It sounds like news of the week: the John Gruden resignation uh, on the field. Lamar Jackson is just tearing it up. Uh, we'll get into that. Uh, we're watching a solid team come together in Dallas. All of that and more is straight ahead with Armando Salguero. We'll preview in depth the NFL slate and all the news and notes to get you ready for tonight, Sunday, and Monday on OutKick 360. Tennessee Power Hour will include three keys for the Vols to beat Ole Miss. That's coming up in about 45 minutes. Glad you're with us across the OutKick network. Pleased to be joined by OutKick.com senior NFL columnist Armando Salguero. He joins us each Thursday at this time. Armando, you always bring the energy. We expect no less today. Hope you're doing well. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely excited to be here with you. Um, And remember, guys, Anything you can do for me, by all means, go right ahead. Okay, well, uh, we will always keep it in mind. Anything we can do, we'll we'll try to do it. Uh, When you read the statement from the NFL denying that they had anything to do with the email media uh, leaks with this involving John Gruden, his his resignation on Monday night, uh, and then the storm that hit the league the day after with with everyone trying to figure out the, the information, what they have, what they're holding... What do you think when the league said, yeah, we, we had nothing to do with that. Look the other way. Well, so, you know, there, there are coincidences. The NFL office is in New York on Park Avenue. And around a mile and a half from there is the offices of the New York Times, <laughs> which was the uh, publication that published Monday's leak. Uh, close to there is the offices of the Wall Street Journal, which is the publication that published Friday's leak. This wasn't broken by the Las Vegas <laughs> Journal Review, 
covering the Las Vegas Raiders. This wasn't broken by the Washington Post covering the Washington football team. Um, After a while, things become kind of obvious. And proximity is one of those obvious things that I look at. Also, let's face it, the people that had those emails were either the NFL itself or worked for the NFL itself. No one else had those emails. And so how is it that it's somebody else and we don't know anything about it, but you're the only folks that had the emails in your possession that, you know, look, I was born at night, (laughs) but no, it wasn't last night. Right. I'm with you. I I, I completely agree. And Armando, it's, it's, I'm having a hard time with this, with this story. So try to be, be my shrink right now, if you will, and help me through this part of it. It's, it's perfectly understandable where people uh, hate what John Gruden said. It's, it's intolerant. It's a lot of things, what he put in those emails, and they understand why he was going to lose his job when that happened. But I'm having a hard time coming to grips with all of these emails, 650,000 of them that were investigated by the league into the Washington football team and the end result of it, as we know right now, is John Gruden being publicly humiliated, embarrassed, and fired. And Adam Schefter, an email that he had with Bruce Allen being outed. After all of that, that's the result of it. And that's what I'm having a hard time squaring right now. What do you make of that? Well, how did that make you feel? No, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, so Angry. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. It also makes the 40 to 60 employees and former employees of the Washington football team who tried to bring a suit against the Washington football team and were kind of stiff-armed and don't have enough evidence to let that go forward, that they don't have those emails and they want those emails. And oh, by the way, the NFL Players Association wants all of those emails outed. They want them made public. David Carr said that he wants, excuse me, Derek Carr said that he wants all of those emails outed. Because, I mean, it just doesn't make sense that from an investigation into one entity, a totally different entity, and in fact, two totally different entities, if you count Schefter, get get dumped on, but the investigate E is okay. They're fine because it feels like they're part of the club. Daniel Snyder is a billionaire multiple times over, and he is in good with the NFL circle of ownership. And so we're not going to put out any potentially embarrassing emails about him or his football team beyond saying that they had a very bad culture uh, back in 2017, 18, 19, and shame on you. And we're going to take $10 million for from you in a fine. And of course, then turn around and award you every year with about a billion dollars in profits. Armando, I thought you wrote a great piece up at Outkick right now about John Gruden and his name being taken down from the ring of honor and sort of the 
pitfalls of virtue signaling at times with the Tampa organization. And you wrote about how Tampa has been very progressive in a number of ways in who they've hired and what they've done. But you also brought up someone like, like Warren Sapp, uh, who's currently in the ring of honor. Um, I'm going to let you explain it because you did a great job writing about it, but it really made me think about, you know, people want to immediately go to, hey, this isn't cancel culture. When they hate the, the, the phrase cancel culture, this is holding someone accountable for their actions when John Gruden was fired. But then I see the, him being removed from the ring of honor. I said, well, this is cancel culture. This is canceling John Gruden when others who have actually committed awful actions can stay on the ring of honor, right? Right. Well, you know, what we have right now is uh, a, a burgeoning society where um, your, your sins of thought are worse than your sins of action. And what I mean by that is if you think something uh, that is not within the realm of what is acceptable, you're going to get dumped on and you're going to get canceled and you're in trouble. But if you do stuff that is not within the realm of what people should be doing, such as assault, battery, uh, abuse, domestic violence, uh, hiring prostitutes, other things like that, we'll forgive you. It's okay. But you better not think wrong, but you can act as wrong as you want and there is a second chance and there is forgiveness, but there is no forgiveness for your thoughts. Those, we will come after you if you have the wrong thoughts. And that was Gruden's problem. He obviously said things that most people don't, you know, believe or think um, and offended a lot of people. And that's wrong. But then if you are going to be the holier-than-thou, self-righteous person that's going to decide to cancel him, you better have your house straight. Because, for example, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which we're talking about, they've removed him or plan to remove him from their uh, ring of honor. Warren Sapp is in that ring of honor. Warren Sapp has been arrested multiple times for soliciting prostitution and then assaulting the prostitutes. He didn't pay his taxes. So he owed the IRS over $800,000 in back taxes. He didn't pay his alimony. He didn't pay his child support. So in other words, part of being a, um, a man, a responsible man is to take care of your wife and your kids uh, and yet he didn't do that, but he gets to stay in that ring of honor where, you know, a guy like John Gruden, he's out of here. I didn't watch wall to wall ESPN on this. Uh, I don't punish myself in such fashion, but um, I saw the initial coverage during the game. And, and then uh, on countdown Sunday morning, I watched Randy Moss cry a little bit during their conversation about it. In all of this, I never saw ESPN once mention that Gruden's emails or the bulk of them were sent while he was a ESPN employee. Not at least worthy of a mention during their massive coverage of the whole story. Again, 
It's that self-righteous, you know, pointing at somebody else's sin without recognizing the log in your eye. I think the Bible makes a statement about that. Um, folks, look, personally, I don't know about you guys, but I get it wrong a lot. I make mistakes all the time, but I'm not going around going morally, you screwed up. Morally, you don't think right. Morally, this, and by the way, uh, I, I don't understand why people turn this into a sport because it's almost like folks like watching this done to other folks. And obviously if it's happening on network television, they think that folks like to watch it done. And it's weird. It's just, it's, it's also hypocritical, by the way. So <laughs> there is that. So as part of the spinoff of Adam Schefter's piece of this, it comes out that Caesars is going to chase him hard as his contract expires next summer. Clay's actually been saying for for a couple of years now that that um, you know big information peddlers are are going to be hot commodities for for gambling entities. How would it change? our business, the, the sports information end of our business, if somebody like Adam Schefter worked in, instead of for a sports network for a gambling entity? Right. Uh, well, you know, I'm old enough that when I was covering the NFL uh, as, a, as a beat guy, there were signs on, on locker room doors and within the locker rooms that warned against – you know, not only gambling, the action, but the 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 seeming uh, uh, connection to gambling. That was something that the NFL didn't want. Now, obviously, um, we talk about morals. Well, you know, we've kind of uh, loosened those up a little bit, and gambling is okay, and people are taking money from gambling. I know that uh, two years ago. I was offered a good amount of money to be on a gambling show. Personally, that's not my deal. I don't, that's not how I roll. So I declined, but someone you know, is going to do that. And when it's someone, I'm not thinking that Schefter might do that, but someone who has enough juice and enough information, when that happens, that's a slippery slope because, um, Let's put it this way. The White Sox scandal in, uh, what was it, 1919 or something like that? Yep. didn't happen in a vacuum. That happened because people were hungry for information and moved in a certain direction to make things go a certain way. Armando Salguero, our guest, he covers the NFL for Outkick.com. Armando, last week you told us that, that, that the league has not figured out Lamar Jackson yet. And just when it looked like the Colts had had a game plan that was going to work against Jackson, he pulls the comeback. He leads the comeback for the Ravens uh, on, on national TV this past Monday night as, as the Gruden saga unfolds. And he's not just doing it on the ground. He is now letting it rip and, and setting franchise records for Baltimore in the air. What, what are we witnessing with Lamar Jackson this year? The dude completed 86% of his passes uh, in a game where the Indianapolis Colts had a lead and they knew he was going to throw. 
And so what, uh, you know, you can say and, and die on that very bad hill of Lamar Jackson is a football player and not a quarterback and he can't throw. And then the artillery will come in with, oh, by the way, he just threw four touchdown passes or was it five? I forgot. And he threw for 400 yards and he completed, you know, 80% of his passes plus. And by the way, he can also run and he's doing it at a rate. I looked it up. He's thrown for more yards than 24 NFL teams. At what point do you decide that he can throw the football? At what point do you decide that most defenses, you know, they've got problems with him? Uh, I think we're there. We were watching a solid team come together in Dallas, and and they're they're strong on offense and defense this year. And there appears to be, see if you agree, there, there appears to be a bond and a camaraderie with them. And, and maybe that's because they have guys back healthy and guys un, their stars are back under long-term contracts. I mean, that, that factors into it as well. But beyond that, uh, they're playing at a very high rate, putting points up, getting interceptions, turning the football over. Uh, and they, they really seem to have a nice mesh together as we see them week in and week out are you buying the cowboys long term and regardless they're a contender that we were discussing how tonight in on thursday night football philly with a win would be massive just to show that someone's chasing them in the nfc east but right now it's all cowboys right and that's huge because you know they do play in the nfc east and and i was waiting for you to get to that because God bless them. You know, if if put the Cowboys in the AFC West or the NFC West, then, you know, they're going to take some lumps. Even if they're going to succeed, you come out kind of beat up after a while. And that has repercussions in the playoffs. What you see with the Cowboys now that you haven't seen maybe in the past, despite their talent, is the fact that the defense is playing up to a certain level and now you can't have that division between offense and defense, offense and defensive players, where the offensive players who were scoring a bunch of points are going, oh, my gosh, you know, um, the defense is on the field now. This is- <laughs> or uh, can you hold them, guys, or that kind of stuff. Now it's kind of a complimentary thing. There's a reason why coaches want complimentary football and it sounds trite and it sounds cliche, but one of the reasons is you don't want division between offense and defense. And trust me, I've seen that division on teams and it's ugly and it's hurtful. And the Cowboys, I'm not saying that they've had it in the past, but they've surely given themselves the opportunity for having that in the past. And that has disappeared now because Dan Quinn their defensive coordinator has those guys on defense playing at a very good level. Eagles hosting the Bucks tonight uh, in referencing what would be a, a big win for Philly. Um, is there only chance having a 44-year-old quarterback on a short week, making a road trip, waking up and actually feeling 44? Is it possible that of all days, this is the struggle for Brady uh, of the 365 days a year on the short week Thursday night football where he wakes up after playing on Sunday and says, you know what, my back's a little sore. 
I've got a sore hip or my, my ankles, my, my calf is a little tight. Is that Philly's only hope? Well, so he, here's, he does, he is hurt. He has an, uh, a thumb injury. Um, I looked at that thumb injury. He suffered it against the Dolphins with 233 to play in the first half. And in the second half, I have the stats here somewhere. Uh, he threw for like, oh, he was 13 of 16, 175, two touchdowns, no interceptions in the second half with the thumb injury. I have the counter theory to what you just okay. said with getting all stiff and, and the short week. The short week is about as much the mind as the body. And the reason I say that is there isn't time to prepare. There isn't time to install all these fanciful game plans. It's pretty much let's be who we are and let's roll with what we know. And Brady knows it all. There is no defense that Philadelphia can try tonight that he hasn't seen. There is no defense that Philadelphia can try tonight that he hasn't defeated and by the way, he's ready for the Philly special too. So the, there is no chance that Tom Brady will be surprised. Might he be a little bit sore because he's 44? I get the feeling that the adrenaline will start to roll around, you know, 730, 745. And by the time kickoff rolls around, the soreness will be fine. Armando, when I went through the preseason and looked at every week, week by week, and circling game, well, this is going to be a big game. This is going to be a huge game. I didn't look at week six and immediately circle Cardinals at Browns in Cleveland yeah. as a huge game. But here we are. It's a huge game. What, what do you think about the Cardinals coming out of this game and remaining the only unbeaten team in the NFL? So I was talking to someone, um, a personnel guy, in the NFL the other day, and he's like, you know, everybody's surprised about the Cardinals. Have you seen their playmakers and their list of playmakers? They've got a ton of them. Uh, and, you know, their quarterback has started to get it. And he is not only just a very good thrower of the football, but he is very athletic. And so he's like a 5'10 Lamar Jackson, uh, really 5'9 if you really want to break out the tape measure. But it's, it's, it's hard to defend the Cardinals because they get rid of the ball fast. They've got a lot of talent on the outside to the point where DeAndre Hopkins uh, doesn't need to be a thing. He can be kind of like a decoy and guys like Rondell Moore and A.J. Green and other guys are going to just feast. And so that is why the Cardinals are the Cardinals right now. The only way to beat that defense is what Cleveland can bring to the table, which is a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Even then, they're going to have to match some touchdowns for touchdowns. And Baker Mayfield hasn't been that guy this year. In fact, he hasn't been that guy the last couple of years. Um, that's why I'm not sure that they can keep up. But it's a great matchup, the Cardinals offense against the Cleveland defense. It's not such a good matchup once you start talking about 
the Browns needing to score a lot of points against the Cardinals. Armando Salguero has been our guest. Armando, always great having you on. Uh, enjoy the football weekend. Kick back. Enjoy week six. We look forward to your coverage there. And uh, who knows? Maybe uh, this is the week where Dan Campbell actually gets that victory. We're, he's very likable. Meanwhile, the other winless team, Urban Meyer, not so likable uh, as they take on <laughs> the Miami Dolphins. So we'll, we'll see how, uh, which team can win first as we go into week six. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you All very right. much. Armando Salguero has been our guest. He joins us each and every Thursday previewing and reviewing the big news and notes from the NFL week. Chad, you're going to find out who your Braves are playing. That game coming up this evening. I thought that game was last night. I was pissed. I will find out who the Braves uh, will lose to coming up. <laughs> wow. Uh, I, like I don't I, like, I don't like well. You don't I, like either. I, I say that because because we'll, they're the we'll Braves. Let's take a look it. at the matchup. Let's because, take a look at the matchup. Giants and Dodgers tonight. The winner gets Atlanta in the NLCS. That's next on Outkick 360. I'll tell you who will win. Tonight, Giants-Dodgers, game five. Important because if you're a sports fan in this area, most likely you follow the Atlanta Braves if you follow baseball at all. Outkick 360 rolls on. Like Chad Withrow, his Bravos. We find out who they face after tonight's game five. You want the Giants, right? But you're saying it really doesn't matter because the outcome is the winner tonight goes on to the World Series? No, I, I think the Braves have a shot against the Giants, but the Giants aren't winning. Oh, okay. It's, it's going to be the Dodgers. <laughs> They're the best team in baseball. That's what I was going to get to uh, when we came back. Dodgers are winning this game. I am rooting like hell against them uh, tonight. I hope the Giants win because I do think the Braves would have a chance in a series against, uh, against the, the Giants. Now, I'll say I didn't think the Braves had a shot against the, uh, the Dodgers a year ago, mm. and they were up 3-1 in the series and blew it and lost in seven games. Turned out they didn't have a chance. But they played them a lot tighter than I thought that they would. This is what's great about this series. All the talk about late-night games and West Coast teams and how difficult it is on school nights and work nights to stay up and watch baseball. The four highest-rated division series games are these games. Dodgers and, and Giants. Which we've seen some late-night games with that. Those are by far the four highest-rated baseball games this postseason so far. Higher than Yankees, Red Sox? Outside, sorry, divisional round. Yankees, Red Sox was higher. Thank you. For uh, the not quite division round. Sorry, Yankees Paul. have fired their hitting coach, their <laughs> assistant hitting coach, and their uh, third base coach. But not their manager. Not their manager. Oh, you can't touch the manager. <laughs> you know who fired their manager after winning 17 straight games and losing in the, the wild yeah, card I game? Yeah, Cardinals. The, the real, the new Yankees. Yeah. The St. Louis Cardinals. Mike Schilt. They hold their team more accountable than the Yankees. They're uh, saying, Yankees look, manager. we hold ourselves to a high, 17 straight wins to get into the playoffs is not enough in St. Louis. Yankees manager is uh, under contract till the end of the World Series. Also, you're not supposed to make big moves on days that games are played in the postseason. So Cardinals are uh, shockingly bucking the MLB, which is not very Cardinals-like. First off, I think pretty sure Cardinals manager had time left on his contract too, and they they got rid of him. That can that can happen also. Um, but yeah, that that surprised me. I, I follow some baseball people who were surprised by the Cardinals move on that as well. Red Sox take on the Astros uh, game one tomorrow. Uh, that will be on Fox first pitch at six oh seven Central, uh, seven oh seven in the East. 
Let me know what happens in that series. I'll, <laughs> I'll keep you updated. That's for sure. No, like after it's over. Yes. Uh, Chad, let us know what happened, or maybe no, no spoilers. How's the new 007 film? How does it hold up? I, 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 prediction. He loved it. I hope he does. Because that, I, this is one of those movies I, I would actually go want to watch in the theater. It's tough to screw up a Bond movie if done halfway properly just because the character and if you do the, the action, the set pieces right and you follow a certain formula for success, it's a good movie. I, I enjoyed the movie. How long is the opening scene? The opening scene, before they minutes. get to the uh, Billie Eilish song, that's yeah. that she's the one doing the song for this, probably 23 minutes <laughs> into it. Two minutes I, I, I looked at it. it was, I think it's 20, 25 minutes into it. It's a huge... There's a flashback open, and then they go into nice. another sort of flashback. Flashback within then, the flashback? And then they, then they wow. eventually fast forward to present day after the, uh, the opening sequence. Um, look, it's, it's well done. It's clear this was a five-movie set that from the very first scene, they are wrapping everything up. They are wrapping Daniel Craig up. They're wrapping this version of the James Bond story up from the very beginning. You can tell what they're doing with Spectre and everything else. I'm not going to give any spoilers away with that, but it's clearly, and they've said this, this is a conclusion to these five movies starting in 2006 with Casino Royale. It's also very much a Me Too movement-inspired James Bond movie. Okay. There, there is no gratuitous love scenes. There's, no, there's even some comedy where this is not giving anything away, where James Bond meets a very attractive CIA agent that in any other Bond movie, they're hooking up within 15 minutes, and he thinks that she's coming on to him, and she's not, and she just laughs. Like, not just a, like, flirtatious laugh, like, oh, no, I would never hook up with you. You know, type to him. It's it's very much a... So uh, he doesn't leave it's with a Bond different, It's a different era of Bond. Where Bond has, uh, to me, always been an escape from reality... This was a uh, reality-based mm. version of a James Bond movie. What Not is, in the crazy action sequences and everything else you get, but in the social of issues. Of the times. The social issues of the day. I enjoy Daniel Craig as Bond. He's great. There's a lot of critics about him, though. and like, I, I don't get it. I think he plays it well. I think, wow, there is a party <laughs> bus that just started right outside of it our... just didn't pause. It just, I mean, wow. That was loud. You could probably hear it on the radio. That was crazy. Um, no, J Daniel Craig is my favorite Bond of all time. Every Bond is going to be divisive. No, no matter who they pick, if you name a name, someone outside of maybe Sean Connery, where it's l probably the least divisive Bond, someone's going to take issue See, I always with James thought Bond. that everybody's Bond would be the Bond when they came of age. So Mine like Roger Moore's my Bond because <laughs> he was Bond when I came of age. So the comparison is... Even though Sean Connery, I, I agree with you, is like should be set aside yeah. as the... Here's, Everyone but him. It's, all, it's all about your taste. Daniel Craig is the Christian Bale to Batman of Bond. The, this is the gritty version of Bond done right. These five movies are different than the popcorn Bond of before. Like the, These are more of a gritty version. It, it's not real life because of the action sequences, but more of a real life gritty humanized version of Bond, just like the Christian Bale, Christopher Nolan Batman movies are much more human of, of Batman and everything that formed him. So that's how I describe it. I'm interested to see where they go from here. Um, I'm, I'm reading it's going to be a complete reboot. The end of the movie ended with the traditional James Bond will return 
at the very bottom of the, the, the closing credits, which that's good news that it's obviously not going away completely. But uh, the producers of, of the films said that they're not going to start to choose a bond until January of 2022. They have not started the process yet. They need, they need to make the it through bond. Christmas before they can well, David, even begin. they got to take some time off. <laughs> yeah. Guys, Dave, this was five years in the making, this movie. we got to take some time now. David Reed refuses to return their calls. That's the problem. Yes. And he refused to shave his beard. He can name his price. They want him to shave I his beard. They need him a little bit faster. <laughs> Three keys on how the Titans beat the Bills. Speed. But first, we'll tell you how the Vols get a win against the Rebels. Withrow has his three keys for Tennessee to get a win on Saturday. That's next.